we're walking through the Bible or going through a sermon series, uh, you know, Fourth of July, Easter, Christmas, all those things come along. And uh, I tend to not jump out of where we are to do a typical uh, message and then jump back. God knew when we started Luke where we were going to be, right? God knew when we started Matthew or Acts and we got to Christmas or Valentine's Day or some other holiday. He knew. He ordained, all right, those steps. And we want to continue to walk in those steps. And so I don't know that there's ever, uh, ever, but there's often been an Easter message preached on uh, the end of Luke chapter 5. But today it is going to happen, all right? Today it is going to happen. And if you're used to, a, 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 a cross message or a resurrection message, and that's what you were looking for. Um, I would apologize, except that, you know, God has been speaking and he's going to speak today because his word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And we're going to go today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the scripture. Normally, I've been trying to catch everybody up, but today I want to read the scripture. Why? Because it's always about the scripture. Scripture starts first. And then if I'm saying something untrue, I haven't formulated your opinion first. So we always try to read early on. And then we're going to look back and we're just really going to have to look at uh, this chapter to see what God is doing. All right. And we'll get an understanding and we'll set the stage for what's going on. So here it is, the text for the Easter message at NBC on Maine this year, Luke chapter 5. 33 through 39, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of a bridegroom fast while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. And then he told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch the old one. Otherwise, they will have torn a new garment. And the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wine skins. All right. And after and no one after drinking the old wine wants the new for they say the old is better. So this is how. Jesus um, responds to some critics, all right? So what we have here is Jesus' response to some critics. So let's now set the stage for why they are asking these questions. All throughout the New Testament, religious leaders, old guard, Pharisees, Sadducees, and teachers of the law question Jesus. And we find them questioning Jesus all of the time, not necessarily, except for Nicodemus, because they want answers, but because, as it says in John chapter 8, they were using this question as a trap to have a basis for accusing him. They were always trying to trip him up with their questions. Well, who's my neighbor is asked in the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, why aren't you fasting is what they are asking today. Let me be clear. They could care less about fasting. 
The question is not actually about fasting, all right? And it flows. I, I know that it doesn't feel oftentimes like it does, but it, but it flows. Remember, when Jesus comes, all right, and is making his appearance on earth, when he is God with us, Emmanuel, all right, there is an expectation. You would be lying to yourself if you didn't formulate an expectation in your mind if a Jesus in the flesh was going to walk in here. You would expect him to have a certain color, walk a certain way, talk a certain way, live out certain ideals, especially those of us who have lived our lives in the Christian faith. There are some expectations that we would have of him. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of study and of leadership and of memorization and of law and of testimony have preceded this moment. And Jesus arrives and he doesn't arrive like anyone expects. He appears, but he doesn't appear to the people that they expect, all right? He is preceded by a teacher and not the type of teacher that anyone would expect. It happens in the wilderness instead of in the towns. He draws sinners instead of saints. And that's going to be important because we're going to jump back to the words that John spoke right now. The predecessor to Jesus was John the Baptist, all right? And he was there to, listen, pave the way for Jesus. We had a whole sermon five, six weeks ago on this right here, all right? He went into all of the country around the Jordan River preaching a baptism of repentance. Let me say it another way. Preaching and immersing yourself in turning away from everything that you have previously known. All right? So John is preparing the people to hear a message that unless they are willing to change what they believe, they will never receive. Let me say it again. Unless you're willing to change what you believe, you will never be capable or have the capacity to receive. And this is what proceeds. And Jesus jumps right in to being the type of guy who is going to overturn the religion for relationships. He is going to overturn overturn legalism, all right, for love, for grace, for a mercy-filled justice. That is who he is, right? And so he goes, and instead of choosing uh, preachers, he chooses fishermen. Instead of preaching to church members, he preaches to people by the seashore. Instead of calling the righteous, he calls tax collectors. Instead of getting those who the people will be happy about, he calls the ones who desire and need him the most. Instead of wrapping his arms around children, which he obviously did, he reached out and touched lepers. He upends the beliefs of all those trying to do good. And he begins the process of laying the foundation for what happened on the cross. There is no do. In me, it is done. It is finished. It went on to say, as it is written, in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, there will be a voice of one calling out, not in the church, but in the 
wilderness. Let me be clear. Lots of us are sitting in a church, but our spirits, our souls are in the wilderness. Anybody here got some things in their lives that are causing them to wander? Anybody here got some things in their lives that make them feel like they're lost, like they're turning and yearning in a dark place with no compass and no direction? Oh, but I'm in church. Yes, but when we lose a father, yes, but when we have a sick child, yes, but when things don't go like we think, we find ourselves lost inside our own hearts and minds. But there is a voice calling out into your wilderness. Prepare the way. And John, make paths straight. And the idea here is when the king used to go out, there was a group that went before him that literally, if the curve was too steep, they just straightened the road. If the pothole was too deep, they'd fill it in. If there were no people to praise the king on the side of the road, they would call people to the road to praise him. Make the path straight for the real king. Every valley's filled in, every mountain made low, crooked roads become straight, rough. It's like I knew. And all people will see God. So the premise and the preface here is that if you will remove that which you already know, to accept that which is, you will have the capacity to receive. That is here. Then we go back to what Jesus is saying, all right? And we see that he's teaching it too. Watch. John's disciples often fast and pray. They feel like they've got Jesus because John is the predecessor. All right? They're trying to use a better argument. Maybe let's not go back to Moses. Let's not go back to Abraham. Hey, John's disciples fasted and they prayed, and the Pharisees fast and they pray, but yours are out here eating and drinking. All right? And Jesus comes back with an argument like he's in court. Well, let's get one thing clear. Can you make friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? Here's what Jesus is saying. You don't stop a celebration to fast. We are having a joyful moment here, whether or not you missed it, where the blind now see, the lame now walk, and people are being saved. You guys are the big brother on the back porch while the party's inside, and you're arguing that we're not like you. But Jesus says, it is not about us being miserable with you. It's about you being free to celebrate with us. Because it's not the way you thought it was doesn't mean it's not the right way. Jesus makes a beautiful argument. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Y'all, y'all took the fasting from, there's actually only one truly requested fast in all of the celebrations of the Old Testament. One. And then four days, but those four days, if you fast, are for mourning. They are post a death or post a critical occurrence. And Jesus acknowledges there's going to come time when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then will fast. Hey, death will come. Hey, bad times will come. Hey, darkness will come. When you're at your wedding day, the last thing you are thinking about is the death of a spouse. The last thing you're thinking about is the bad days you will have. You're celebrating new life together. And Jesus says, why in the world would you bring something in here that would cause everybody to feel all morny and yucky and down? Keep that out of the party. You're you're ruining my vibe here. All right. That's kind of what he's saying. You know, what is with the, we're party, let's go. And so he says, in case you don't get it, and now we get the Luke we've been waiting on. Now we get the Luke we've all been waiting for. He's always telling stories to help people get it, right? He's always, Luke is the parable gospel. And we have it, we have it right here. And then he told this parable. Nobody tears a piece out of a new garment to patch the old one. All right. First of all, don't cut a hole in something that is brand new to fix something that is old. Why? Because it is stupid in two ways. You now have a new garment with a hole in it that needs to be patched, and the old garment you're trying to fix is going to be ruined. Why? Because it's already been washed. It's already shrunk. It's already got its form again. Put a new piece of cloth on that, and the first time you wash it, that patch will shrink, and it will pull the garment together, and now you got a funny-looking place at your knee or a funny-looking place under your arm. It doesn't work. It may even pull the threads apart, and now you got two holy garments, and I don't mean Jesus-loving. He's like, this doesn't make any sense. It's like a church, I hate to say this, but it's a perfect analogy, that needs to patch a hole in its roof, Right? And so they patch a hole right up here and a line right across here. And then if you have an OCD preacher, when he sits out in the parking lot, he sits there like this because 72% of his building is dark gray and the other 28% is black. And it's irritating as I'll get out. It don't match. That's what's going to happen to your garment. You're going to have a non-color match on your garment. Jesus is like, do you all hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? It don't work. But I don't have the money to do the whole roof in black, so I'm just going to have to get over it. And no one pours new wine in old wineskins. Everybody, you can't be too Baptist here. That was an amen. It just came out her nose. All right? You can't be too Baptist here. Listen, they're not talking about grape juice here, so don't do that to yourself. They're talking about wine. And when Jesus said, you don't put new wine in old wineskins, he might have gotten the biggest amen of his ministry so far. All the sinners out there would have been like, you know you don't. Why? It's not as much about ruining the wineskin as when you ruin the wineskin, what happens to all the good wine? It leaks out and people be like, I don't want to lose the good wine, all right? 
You, listen, don't be so hoity-toity that you can't get that that's exactly what would have happened. Here's what happens. Wineskins are made of, of, of leather, all right? And they would come up and hold together, and you'd have to have new leather for new wine. Why? Because when the wine goes in, it does what? It ferments, all right? And there is a release of gases and an expansion of what is inside. So the leather is stretched, all right? And if you got a good one, it'll stretch a little more and it'll stretch a little more and it's awesome. But if you take that one after you've used the wine in there and get some really new fresh wine and put it in it as it starts to expand, you have blown your balloon all the way up and you're sticking your mouth on it and it's going to explode. Your wine's gone, your wine skin's gone, and this is bad news for everybody. So you can't put the old in it. Well, here's what I did. Here's what I did. Here's what I did. It was so close. It was so close that I left a little bit of the old wine in there, and I put some new wine in there. You're an idiot. Because the new wine's still going to expand. You're still going to explode, and now you've lost the new wine, the old wine, and the wine skin. What's his point? Stop trying to make what's new fit into or be a part of what is old. Uh-oh. I think Easter just showed up. God knew what he was doing. The Pharisees didn't get it. They never got it because they couldn't make Jesus fit into the box they had about Jesus. Even the disciples struggled as he told them over and over again, the temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. I must die so that you must live. No way, Jose, they said, but they couldn't understand. Jesus didn't fit in their box. J.B. Phillips wrote a book called Your God is Too Small, and I've told you more than once, I hated the title, but he is right. If your God is a Santa Claus who gives when you need it and shows up, when you need him, your God is too small. If he's a cosmic killjoy who keeps you from doing all the things that you're not supposed to do, your God is too small. If he is a grandfather who's there to give you advice only at the times that you need it, your God is too small. And if you try to put him into the box you made for him, it is going to explode because my Jesus is boundless. He is limitless. He is timeless. And the only thing that's going to happen is your expectations are going to be destroyed and you're never going to get it. And that is exactly what happened on the cross. That is exactly what happened when he climbed to Calvary. That is exactly what nobody got. Killing me is not a problem. Killing me is the plan. The plan rocks. Blessed, baby, blessed. The plan rocks. Why? Because Sunday's coming. And I love how the Bible folds together. Because here's the deal. John was peach, preaching a baptism of repentance, and here's what it said. You can't stay the way you are and understand what is coming. You have to baptize, completely immerse yourself in a baptism of repentance, turning away from the old and coming to the new. 
That is why God said, He didn't say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. They are creation, they are creation that may pick and choose the parts of the scripture that they like and keep the parts of their lives that they like, and everything is going to work out okay. No! Broken wine skin. If anyone is in Christ, they are a good Baptist who cannot accept that there are other people like Presbyterians and, and, and Catholics and people who might be in heaven with them. No! Your garment's going to tear. You cannot do this halfway. Jesus didn't half die. They did everything that they could to make sure he did. And then they did everything that they could to make sure he stayed. And they did everything they could to make sure he can't get out. Max Lucado wrote an awesome story about those sweet little ladies that were coming up on Christmas, on Christmas morning. It probably felt like Christmas morning, all right? Easter morning, all right? And then and, 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 and they get there, and, 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 and the angel's there, and he's got this big grin on their face, and they're like, oh, Jesus is dead. And he's like, <laughs> And people always, people always ask a question, you know. It's kind of funny to think about. Um, the stone is rolled away, right? The stone is rolled away. Jesus can get out. Do you realize how silly that is? The stone was rolled away so that Jesus could get out. Really? Did he rise from the dead after taking the keys from hell, stand behind the rock and go, Gabriel, could I get some help here? In fact, the angel implies that he was gone before they got there. He is not here. I found it like this. He is risen. It's not for him, Mary. It's not for him, Martha. It's for you. Come and see. But put away all your preconceived notions that it cannot be done. Put away all your preconceived notions that a drunk can't be saved, that a divorcee can't preach, that someone who is lost cannot be found. Throw it all away. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And if you don't empty yourself, you cannot be filled. Somebody's got to remember to Lysol this whole area. unsafe now it is finished he has risen and you need to put away all your preconceived stuff and it's different for all of you and it's different for me Easter will matter when you rip out rip out all that you thought you knew and simply say I believe, I receive. No if you, no but and, I believe, I receive. Don't you know that that is, that is the, the essence of the greatest single scripture ever given? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can do it in eight words. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. you don't push one or two chips. You don't reach and pull any back. With this Jesus thing, you're either all in or you're not in at all. Let's pray. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter, we are the clay. God, as we all continue this journey, some of us one or two years in, some of us 30 or 40 years in, some of us 60 or 80 years in, as we continue baby steps on this journey behind following in your footsteps, keep our eyes open, keep our hearts open, give us the, the, the desire, give us the curiosity of a child. Teach us. Lord, make me to know thy ways. Make me untainted by the religion of old. Make me unshaken by the, that's the way it's always been done. Make me unbroken by the, you can't. Because they told Jesus he couldn't either. Then came the morning. He is risen. the Lord. Amen and amen.